Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to let you know, because of the nature of the conversations we are having, they may contain some adult language. It, it reminds me of uh, the, the movie uh, The American President with Michael Douglas. Uh, he's given the speech at the end, and he's, he's, he's talking shit about his opponent, who is played by Richard Dreyfus in the movie. Uh, but he says, uh, he says he's not worried. He's only worried about two things. He's worried about making you afraid of the problem and telling you who's to blame for it. And there's way too much of that going on, man, fear and blame. And somehow we gotta, we gotta circumvent that and start making solutions. I'm Leon Davis, and this is one good question. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Leon Davis. Welcome to this special edition of One Good Question. My guest in this episode is James Apple. I've known James since high school. He was actually in choir with me and David Knight, who appeared in my second episode, I believe. And so he is someone I've known for quite a long time. He currently lives in the Seattle area. Because of the nature of the conversation we had, it is the least edited of all of the ones that I've released. James and I have found ourselves on the opposite sides of several different discussions. And through it all, we have maintained our civility toward each other as well as our friendship. Um, On this one, we weren't as far apart as we typically are. In fact, I think we were actually on the same side. We're able to still have a good conversation between the two of us. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So here's my conversation with James Apple on One Good Question. Uh, you know, living in this crazy world right now. Uh, Tell me, man. I feel bad for y'all, man. I mean, uh, I hate using the word y'all. Uh, yeah, but... I understand. There's no better <laughs> word, so. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it looks like it might be about to go down in Seattle today, too, bro. Uh, yeah. They took control of one of the police precincts down there. The cops took off and left. And uh, now Trump's talking about coming back in to take the city over. So it's oh, that's uh, crazy. He's here in Dallas right now. So for what? Um, what is he here for? Um, oh, a fundraiser. It's like a hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars per couple. <laughs> Before he takes off to his uh, Oklahoma rally, that was the uh, in Tulsa, where all the riots happened back in the day huh yeah 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 that's that's going to be an interesting choice of venue yeah yeah um we'll see if he i don't know yeah that's just uh, it was purposely i would imagine knowing him was purposely done but just been crazy times like i was trying to take some time off and uh chill out and work on the brand and tighten up some things with the brand and get a couple other things up and moving maybe then the world happened huh yeah i was like (laughs) 
I was not trying to to do anything podcast related until oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what a crazy world we live in, man. Who'd ever thunk it, huh? Yeah, yeah. This is like the year of all years. It's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have an election this year too, which which is promises to make it even more crazy than it is now. So yeah, and very well could be why all this shit's happening too. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been like, dude, just inundated with information. I've obviously got friends on both extreme sides of the the argument, if you will. You know, so I've been listening from everything from Black Lives Matter to this deep state JFK Jr. still alive and going to come back and save the world conspiracy theories. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. Like every time somebody posts up, post a, something like conspiracy theory based, it's like, Hey guys, I'm, I look at good conspiracy theory as much as the next person, but I know when to let them go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. At some point, like if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to find those few arguments in the conspiracy theory. I'm like, listen, hey, you know what? This it's it's a little shady because of this one thing. Answer this question. Yeah, and, but you know, I'm not I'm not driving. I'm not jumping all the way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, man, I watched this one the other day that went from eating babies and harvesting adrenochrome to time travel in the same documentary. <laughs> 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 these people need to write books i think they just Dude. don't have the right outlet it's like hey, write hey some- like for <laughs> entertainment value they had me you know i watched the whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah it's like just write some books and make some money and yeah <laughs> stop putting this stuff on youtube people believe in this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hell yeah but yeah man it's uh yeah it's been pretty crazy so um i can tee you up with a question or if you want to just go into a conversation that's cool Whatever you want, man. It's your show. I'm just here. Yeah, man. Well, what I found the cause, is, bro. I'm 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 not going to uh, be real tight with this. What I found is uh, just the general conversation and um, has really kind of elicited some really interesting things. Just sure uh, having an honest conversation about it. Hell yeah. Which I don't think is happening a lot. And I mean, honest. Like, how many honest conversations have you heard with? real people like not celebrities or news personalities or things like that right it's tough because i think uh like one of the things especially as a white person i'll try as much as i can to veer away from hugely um divisive terms but as a white person like you can't really have an honest conversation with each other because like i you know like i just had to do like you have to watch yourself so much and what you say in public and, you know, if I have this opinion, is it okay to voice it? If I have that opinion that differs with these guys, you know, is it okay to voice that? So, you know, while all this bull crap is going on at the same time, it makes it harder to talk honestly with one another openly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's the hardest part. And, you know, the, so, so the term white and black is like, it is what it is, man. Like, you're white, I'm black. And so for sure. I, I I have no issue with it. So if throughout this podcast you want to uh, like when you're making a point that has to do with black people or white people, I don't have a problem with it because I understand that's just the reality of it. Um, right on. I, I, it's it's crazy to me. Also, you don't have to worry, worry about your language. People curse on here all the time. So okay fuck yeah 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 i'll just i'll just put i'll just put a little snipe at the beginning it's like hey just heads up disclaimer yeah there's some language in this one so um uh, 
we're all adults. So this guy cusses and drinks Fresca. Fresca. Hey, <laughs> here's a little tip, man. So uh, Fresca and tequila. Really? Yes. What mm-hmm. kind of tequila, though? Um, I'm a Casamigos guy, but I think just any kind of decent tequila. Okay. <laughs> um, like that. So it's that's currently what I'm drinking at Casamigos, but I also have Patron Roca and and, and I have like four or five different tequilas. So right on. I think just fresca and tequila. I have people that at the bar that do vodka frescas all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I never would have thought for tequila though. Yeah, tequila and any kind of grapefruit. Um, it's basically just kind of a spin on a paloma. It's like a lazy man's paloma. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right so, on. So um, it's good though. That's what I've been. I've been kind of jamming on those lately. So hell yeah. So um, <laughs> that's hilarious, man. <laughs> Must be nice to live in Seattle where you can just do that whenever you want. I love it. <laughs> Wouldn't trade it for the world, bro. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, think it's long for Texas, though, man. I think uh, I think there's too many places making too much money or money on it, and people in Texas are all about their money. So, isn't it weird that they're all about their money, but you'll get weed before you get gambling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like keep keep sending them to keep sending our money to Oklahoma and Louisiana. We don't need all that, you know. <laughs> See, Christians don't mind saying they smoke weed, but you know they right. might have an issue telling <laughs> yeah. people that they're going to the casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck that, man! I'll roll a joint while I throw the dice. You know, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, well, I, it's funny because I guess I'm I'm probably the most pro smoking and pro weed non smoker out there. I'm just like, if you're not like, well, it's smoking. It's like, if if you're not going to outright make it illegal, then you should let business owners make that decision and for sure. let, them, let the market speak for itself. For um, sure. Um, and like, cause you don't have to go there if people are smoking in there. Right? <laughs> um, but like with weed, it's like, that doesn't even make any sense. It's like, um, it doesn't. And I like, mean, if you go back and, and look at the history of, weed being made illegal there's some huge racial overtones there as well you know yeah oh yeah um, yeah yeah so uh that was back uh that was nixon right yes sir yeah. yes sir yeah. Yeah. i am not a crook <laughs> <laughs> biggest yeah. crook we ever had in there <laughs> yeah right that dude was oh well, i don't know Tw- 2020 ain't over yet so maybe we'll yeah. see <laughs> it's crazy so um it's the more i find out about so it's funny like we have such a bad historical reference. Like what they put him up for impeachment for is almost identically what Nixon went up for um, because it was about manipulating elections. And that's what water and that's what Watergate was about, but he successfully manipulated the election and that's how he, he got, he didn't want to go up against uh, he manipulated the democratic candidate. So basically he made sure that, somebody that was really super almost socialist liberal was up against him and uh, not the more moderate guy. And he blew that dude out. I think he was like 48. He won like 48 States. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. Was, it was ridiculous. And I, and anyway, so that's what, that's what the Watergate break-in was about. They were, they were, they were messing with the uh, democratic national committee. And so Manipulating elections is almost the exact same thing he was trying to do with this because he was going directly after Joe Biden. And I was like, it's the parallels when you get really into the history of 
Watergate, it's almost scary, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> McGovern, I think yeah. that was his name, McGovern. Yeah, yeah he, he, went against, against. he went against McGovern, yeah. and uh, there's another guy with a funny last name, I can't remember at the time, that was more moderate, that he didn't want to see. And, and like, now, like, through all that, like, they released this letter saying that, that said something, he did something, and he had to step out of the race, and then they went back, like, after they got all the papers, they were able to find out that that was actually false for sure. Like, like that, that was all a plant by the Nixon campaign. That yep. letter was, I was like, Oh, that sucked. <laughs> so, um, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's, Americans really lack historical perspective, which is one of the things that kind of plagues us here. Um, what I, what I, one of the big things that I think people miss is like, you know, cause we always want to say, why aren't we through this? Why aren't we over this? Like, shouldn't this be, shouldn't we be through this by now? But if you think about it, like this is, I've said this on most of the episodes so far, is that if you think about it, um, it was only 50 some odd years ago, right? So my mom was a full grown adult when that happened. Um, there are a lot of people who lived through that. And for us to think we would be through it, it when people who are alive on both sides of it now would be insane, especially since those are the people who are mostly in charge right now. For sure. <laughs> and so, and, you know, it, it, you got it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, all of uh, all of the people that went through it are, you know, they're at the level right now. Right. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a trickle down from there. It's so normalized in our culture now that we don't even think it is what it is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, yeah. You go through life and and you say certain things or you believe a certain way about a certain group of people. And that's just, it just is what it is. You, you don't, you don't think it within yourself. That's, that's a fucked up view or I need to consider another opinion, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And, and anything, it's almost like cognitive dissonance when somebody hits you with another opinion, you can't, it's so rooted in you that you can't even accept it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the one thing I tell people all the time. I said, what happens is, and I don't know where I learned it from, but like, if I ever, somebody ever hits me with something that causes me to kind of almost become adversarial because it conflicts with what I believe so strongly, instead of leaning into that anger, I lean into why is this making me uncomfortable? Cause that's what I need to reconcile. Right. Like I need to figure out, there's something about what I believe and what was said that are conflicting. And I need to resolve that conflict, not necessarily become adversarial with the person that told that, 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 that exactly. Crime. It's about the issue, not the person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so yep. I need to, I need to reconcile. Like, what about, like, what about my values? What did that speak to? Why is that making me so uncomfortable? And I think people don't just aren't doing that right now. It's uh, yeah. It's a lot of pride in it too. Uh, you don't, it's not easy to admit that you have had a fucked up opinion or belief for so long. Uh, that takes you swallowing a whole lot of pride and that's not an easy pill to swallow for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's funny. I haven't thought about this particular thing that I, I've, I've held for a while is that um, I personally think that this kind of attitude stems back to world war two uh, when we dropped two bombs on Japan, right? And so we had, we killed hundreds of thousands of uh, 
civilians, right? We, those mm-hmm. are not; those are basically non-military sites. Correct. Um, to to in that war, but and that is a huge thing, and we never reconciled that. Like as a country, we never like really thought about how horrible it is that that thing was that we did. Um, and, and then come to reconciliation with it. Like that was horrible. Sorry, Japan. We probably shouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. Because nobody wants to talk about that side of world war two. Yeah. That's, but, you know, yeah, but I think anything less than that, like, so we, since we can't even say that was wrong, anything less than that, which everything is pretty much less than that. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, anything less than that. Like we don't want, we don't, we're like, Oh, we're American. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's where that comes from because we kill, like, I think that like, it just has gotten worse since then just because we have so much pride in being America, but we never reconcile the fact that, Hey, we just dropped a bomb on, like, we don't reconcile our big as a country in general. Now that I say this out loud and I'm thinking about it, like we just, whenever we make a huge, mistake on the scale of humanity we don't yeah. reconcile it we just we justify it by saying it was the best thing for america it's in the past let's move on right exactly <laughs> yeah as long as you hide under that flag of you know god and country <laughs> yeah you could justify anything yeah yeah and so um it's it's interesting to it's gonna be interesting to see where we land as a country especially after this um um i really want to see something positive done with this, but I think people want huge sweeping changes. And, and I, what I think needs to be done is we need to slow down and lay groundwork, right? Lay lay groundwork, then build infrastructure so that we can institute a change that will last. Um, What what are your thoughts on uh, defunding the police? It has to be done correctly. So I've been like, I was like, first when I was like, what that, I don't understand what they're talking about. Then I started reading more about what they were, what they were actually talking about. So I, um, that puts, that puts pressure on the unions, which I think are a huge issue in this. Um, that puts pressure on the police departments, which aren't necessarily a huge issue. It's unless it's just those, except for those few departments that have really bad culture issues. Right. So like Minneapolis had a culture issue, obviously. Um, and so for them to lose a lot of their funding, now it puts pressure on them to address their culture issues. Right. Right. Um, so I don't think it's something like there's people saying we need to abolish a police across the board. I'm like, well, we need to, like, I don't have an issue with rethinking public services and trying to figure out, is there a better way to do this? I, I don't have a problem with that. It just, it needs to be rethought on a larger scale than just do away with it. Like nobody's right. We're not having the first conversation is what's the alternative. Right. And for so, sure. Um, and so I also, and so for to completely disband a police department, um, most of them that have done it in the past were small and did it for money. Um, the largest one was Camden, New Jersey, and they actually did it because of corruption. And they've been very successful. They did, I think, 2012, 2013, and they've dropped their crime rate 50% since then um, because they rethought how they were going to do police in that town. I think it'll be very interesting to see if Minnesota can do that, if they decide to go that same route. Right. Right. So um, if they decide to disband their police department and then start over, it'll be interesting to see if a city as big as Minnesota, which is only about. Can you just go from a hundred to zero in one step? We mean, as far as from 
can you go from an active police force to zero police force in one step? No, it's it's like it's it's something that has to be thought out. Like as I said, that you have to have like right now. Hopefully, what they're doing is having the conversation. Listen, maybe right. we do need to take this step. So, but we need and but we want to end up here. What do we need to do to get there in in the best way possible? So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's what they're doing. That's that's the uh, um, that's what I'm hoping they're doing. We uh, never know though because. People, when especially elected officials, once you know public opinion is as strong as it is now, uh, they tend to make rash choices without thinking them through. So yeah, and I mean, you always are going to have the ones in the crowd that are. Uh, so we have this whole section of Seattle that's been taken over right now, right? The East Precinct. It they boarded it up, chain link fenced, uh, and the police moved out. They went away. Uh, I think their stance is uh, they're listening. I mean, some at one point the crowd was uh, was chanting, you know, "You go home, we go home," right? So, with all the violence and stuff that happened down there, I think they just tried to take a step back, let them get out what they have to get out, and see if that will make some progress. But you got these jokers that are out there with, you know, defund the police signs, and they think that it's, you know, that that's exactly what defund means. We're going from a hundred percent to zero percent, it like that. Yeah, and <laughs> that dude, that, like I can't even imagine a world like that. Yeah, that's a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea. Um, yeah, I, I do think we should rethink as a nation policing just because policing has been so short term thinking the way the police departments are built, they are built from our current police departments are built from the same police departments during the civil rights era. And so because of that, a lot of those ideals and culture things have been passed through all those police departments. And so, and we never completely rethought, hey, maybe we should rethink the way we do policing now that our police have different objectives, right? For Uh, sure. And like, we've tried to put them into so many different roles that they don't even belong in. Yeah. They're, They're not medical professionals or counselors or healthcare workers. I mean, they're, they should, their roles have to be reined in and way more defined. Yes. I, I agree with that too. And I think that there needs to be some stop gaps put on, put, uh, put in. One of the things that I was, uh, I spoke about earlier, I actually found out, you remember back in McKinney when that officer kind of lost his shit and was throwing that little girl around um, uh, outside the pool. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I was able to find out through some conversations with my pastor at the time, um, that that guy actually had finished a really tough shift. He had had like, not that this excuses it. Um, but he had, he had just finished dealing with two different homicides and he was at the end of his shift. Damn. Now McKinney's police department, should have had something like if you have to handle one homicide, they should bring you in and you should have to sit at a desk to rescue shift. They just should. They, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to, cause that's such a mental drain and emotional drain having to deal with that, let alone two. So the guy dealt with two of them in a row and then in the same day, in the same day. And you allow yeah. him to go answer a call 
he's not in the mental space to deal with that. Now, right. once again, it doesn't excuse it because what that's a child, right? You shouldn't, he shouldn't have been flinging that child around, but on the same level, McKinney shouldn't have never put him in the position to make that bad decision. For sure. And yeah. So, better policies could have prevented the whole thing from happening. Absolutely. And I just think I can that, only imagine you've had to deal with, you know, two dead bodies and then you got these damn kids. You know? exactly. like, and that's exactly not, what he's Like thinking. you said, not that it excuses it, but yeah. damn. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't say that I would have made a better decision at the time. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah. really, but um, I, once again, it doesn't excuse it. And the guy I think resigned and, but uh, like, it's, it's, it was incumbent. I think McKinney police department failed him and the community because they put him in a position to be a danger to himself and the community. For sure. And so, um, Hey bro, I need to switch over to my phone. Is that okay? Can I no. hang up and then like join back again on my phone? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Can you hear me? I got you. All right. Sorry. We're going mobile now. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to tell you, I was like, you could actually go ahead and log on on your phone and then click off. That way there's no. <laughs> oh, but, but I forgot. My bad. Like, I, I hung up too soon. No, you're fine. It, it didn't click in until the, until you were already in progress. I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, the, um, the thing and we were talking about the thing in McKinney. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for those kids, man. I, I don't really know uh, the whole situation, what went on. Um, but you got to have something in place for these officers that deal with the extreme shit to get them out of the way, yeah. at least clear their head or something. You know, I mean, we, I know they're probably understaffed and whatnot, but, but yeah, we're calling on them to do too much and that causes them to do stupid shit, man. Um, their, their policies have to change. And we've got so many other places that that money could go to that might help out these situations that they're in. Yeah, I agree. Now, if they like the places that are pulling money and re reallocating it, if they're smart about that, like once again, in two to three years, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens, right? Like if they were actually able to improve community relations by reallocating that money and how was that money spent? Um, we have a lot of great opportunities right now um, as a country. I just uh, hope we take them. For sure, man. Uh, it's a time where we, uh, you know, it's success or failure and to the extreme one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, uh, it's, it feels like this time is different than every other time. Like this one's not going to just go away. Like it's just, yeah. Uh, I was talking to my wife about that the other day. Uh, because we were thinking back on what happened in Ferguson yeah, and how, how we all thought, damn, like that got so serious. And this, I mean, we're at probably 10 to 15 times what Ferguson was right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, Ferguson, so with Ferguson and I've done a, the big, I think we missed the big story in Ferguson. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so Ferguson, not to say that, it was right for that guy to shoot Mike Brown, but Mike Brown did engage with the police officer physically. And so once you're physically tussling with a police officer on any level and you engaged it and cause his first, the first time he got shot was when his hand was inside the car tussling with the, with the police officer. Um, right. So then that kind of like, as far as 
use of force. Like, should the police officer shot him again when he was running away? Probably not. But right. with that said, I mean, the guy, the, the, he was, he was already, his gun was already out. He was already shooting. So that's, that's kind of a weird situation, right? But the big story in Ferguson was the post investigation. And what they were finding was the reason, like, people in Ferguson and didn't trust the police because the police was fun. Police was you. The police department was used to fund the city. And they, what they did was they harassed the black residents with small tickets and bail and like arresting them on warrants and keeping them in. If they, they made their bail. quotas on the black folk. Yes, exactly. And so that's why that dynamic existed that he didn't even want to hear from that cop. Like when that cop's like, hey, and he's like, I'm not talking to you. And the cop said something and then he decided he was going to get hostile. Like that dynamic yeah. was created because the police department was not used to do what the police department is supposed to do. Like, for I think, sure. I, I think we hear the word protect and serve and we forget the word serve. Like they were not serving that community. They were using that community as a source of income for the city. And um, yeah. And, and that, you know that I mean that breaks it down to e- an even further deeply rooted problem, which is uh, the police operating under what they call color of law and just running rampant on the citizenship. I, I mean, I get that uh, black people as a whole probably they have the the biggest beef in that department, but you know it, it's a, a pretty systematic issue. I, I'm. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not just black people. It's more what it is. It's more of a poor people thing, and it just happened. And and black people fall more into that demographic. Man, like, you said it right there. I wish so. I wish so many people would look at class instead of race. You'd you'd, <laughs> you'd identify so many more problems in this country. Well, one of the main strategies of like like Jim Crow South was basically give poor white people somebody to think they're better than <laughs> and, and and they'll vote for you forever. And that's pretty much what they did. Like, like that's why poor white people will never realize that, yeah. that their, their interests are more yeah. aligned with black people. Oh, I'm losing you again. The wonders of technology, man. Right. <laughs> it never works when you <laughs> want it to. I know. But yeah, man, um, it's a, uh, yeah, so that's uh, it's interesting that they don't see that their interests align with black people. Um, well, like I said, it's um, you know if you if you take a look at at class instead of race, um, you you can start to identify a whole lot more of the issue here. Um, these people at the top, man, all they give a crap about is money. You know. Yep. <laughs> and it's got to be at a certain point. I don't, and I don't know how to make this. Maybe this is something you can educate me on. Like, how do you make the transition? So we we're, we're at where we're at, right? Yeah. And the black lives matter movement has taken to the streets. They've protested. There've been riots. And I understand, I could trust me when I say, I understand that the riots, uh, are, happening from a lot of different directions yeah um but how so how do we make at some point we i lost that question you dropped out i gotta start talking again so how how do you rebuild how do we rebuild can you hear me now 
Yeah. How do we make the transition? How, how do we make the transition from where we're at to a conversation and a process of rebuilding? Um, because I feel you guys, man. Like I, I, I don't you, but I feel no. your pain, if you will. So at like at some point, there has to be talking. There, there. Well, you're, you're. Hold on, wait. Oh, it's coming back. Hello, hello. All right. So at some point, um, yeah, there definitely has to be some talking. Uh, the way we would rebuild, the way the way I see it is the conversation almost has to be forced like it is now, but we need to make sure we're having honest conversations and not yelling. And that's, and I think that's a lot of the places where we're failing. Um, uh, we're not having real honest conversations because the problem is that people on both sides are so dug into their interest. They're not willing to really um, let anything slide to make the greater point. Right. And so, for sure. And so one of, one of these, one of, a good example is one of my interviews was with a friend of mine that I don't 100% agree with, right? And, and, and we had a really good conversation. And there are a couple points where he was coming from a position of privilege. And I really, if I wanted to be combative, I could have jumped all over it, right? And, but I didn't because it was not productive to the end goal of the conversation, right? For sure. And we ended up getting to a really nice impasse by the end of the conversation, like we had come to both a really good mutual understanding of each other. Cause there were things that he pointed out to me that I would have never in a thousand years thought of because I'm not a white person. Right. And I'm not, I'm not For a white sure. person. And, but, and from the same, and from the same angle, he was able to understand a few things he would have never thought of because he's not a black person. And it was because I wasn't, neither one of us were there to jump on everything that we didn't understand, that we didn't agree with. Right. I was like, yeah. It was more of, hey, I under that point there, like he he would say something, and I'm like, eh. but I would let it go because it wasn't central to the point, right? It was like that's just kind of his privilege speaking, so I'll let it slide because if I can if I can show him somewhere else where that is, it's better than if I jump down his throat because mostly most of the time what happens with white people is like when we jump down your throat, like, Oh, you're being your white privilege. Blah, blah, blah. You shut, you guys shut down. <laughs> and you're like, I don't, I'm yeah, going to deal yeah. with this. I'm going bad about my life. I'm going on about my life, which right. I under, so which makes sense. I mean, cause you, I mean, it's, it's like uh, yelling at a teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's, it's not something that, that, that I, the culture, the white culture is in general has been, built to deal with now black people black culture in general has been built to deal with politics and dis and discourse and and the adversarialism and discourse because that's kind of part of our everyday life right that's what we live and so since that's the way we digest it it's not it's kind of just a natural part of us um for sure and here's another part of that question though is because, okay, you guys started Black Lives Matter. I, I'm, I'm with that. And after that, it seems like there's a thousand different opinions of what comes after that. So somebody may, I was watching a live stream of the protest in Seattle yesterday. And this young lady got up there on the microphone. It's kind of like an open mic deal. They were just letting whoever come up and say their piece, right? Yeah. Uh, 
and and she got up there and she said, you know, and she was black and she said that, you know, she was down there in support of Black Lives Matter, but she wanted to know how it came to be that certain people were doing the talking to the cops or the uh, city officials like nobody's been elected to speak for you guys. I don't know that outside of Black Lives Matter there's much of a solid platform. So who should be in charge of that conversation and how do you pick that person? It's well, because, because of the nature of it, it's the people who grab the mic, right? It's just the nature of protests. The people who, whoever yells loudest gets hurt. Yeah. The person who grabs the mic and is loudest gets hurt. And it's just the nature of how that works. Now, long-term what we need to do, there needs to be people with money and influence that think about the long-term goal. Right. And it needs to be super narrow. Like if we could just focus on police accountability, that's what this, that's what this is about. If they kept it super narrow police accountability, let's make sure we get things in federal law, local law, state law, federal, state, local laws, make sure we get those things in all of those places to, to help affect police accountability. And then look at what we can do to affect the power of unions over that process. If we were able to be super, that would make light years of difference. Like it's, it's not that hard. It's like, just keep it narrow. But what happens is all the, like, even with the protests, like they're not even all, all the people down there aren't necessarily even down there for this social justice thing. Cause you have people on the far left, just trying to move move forward whatever anarchist agenda they have. And then there's people on the far right trying to start a race war. It's like, all right, well, there's a a thousand messages in between that, that are all trying to be heard when there's really only one thing that caused the situation that lit it. And that's police accountability. (laughs) Right. And so, right. Right. and, And so as long as, as long as the people who are doing the real work that can move things through government, stay focused. Uh huh. And, and and super narrow, then I think that it has a chance. But you can't allow the uh, message to be hijacked by uh, people with other agendas. And that's the thing, too. Like, that's how you, I mean, that's how you discredit a movement, right? You yeah. get in there and start shit and give them a bad name while they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Yeah. And that's why like you let this happen, but there needs to be an, there needs to be a strong undercurrent where people are like, all right, cool. Those people out there doing their thing, keep doing your thing. We're going to go behind the scenes, put our money and our influence where it will help the most. And we need some people that don't need the publicity for it. That's the problem. Like every time somebody gives money somewhere, they have to, Oh, so-and-so gave X amount of dollars. So like, you know what? You don't, you don't, you don't need all that. Just, just, just put your money in place, put your, put the infrastructure in place and, and do the work. And I think it gets, because if you tell people where you're putting the money, then it tells the opponents where to put their money, right? If people people are oppo- opposed to it, they're like, "Hey, I'm putting money here." They're like, "Oh, cool." So I'll just counteract that by putting my money there. And so, you know, yeah, you don't have to announce every move you make. Um, I'm I'm playing around with the idea of trying to build a nonprofit slash advocacy um, foundation. Um, I'm playing around with some ideas, speaking to a couple friends, trying to see uh, where we can uh, 
be the most effective because like I said, that's, I've been definitely looking at like how, what's the best way to keep this, make this the most effective possible. And I don't hear anybody having those conversations right now. Yeah. I mean, we're still in the getting our anger out stage, I think. Yeah. Which is you good. Know? But I mean, like, yeah, but those of us who have been able to move past, cause I'm telling you, dude, that those first couple of days I was pissed. Like I was in such an angry space, mm-hmm. but, but, but it's not a healthy space to be productive. And I understand that for and sure. So, and so I had to move myself out of that space, which I did. So I, I managed to get myself out of that space. Like I, like I have turned, I, for most, for the most part, I don't, I haven't messed with uh, social media probably for the, uh, well, Facebook at least for the last five, six days, you know, I'll go check a couple things, but I, I'm not engaged. I'm just kind of, just because I had to get out of that space. Cause I, yeah. cause now I want to think, what can we do? What can I do to help move this in the best direction? What's the next move? What's the next move? What's the next move? And you can't do that when you're angry because you're going to make an emotional decision and you're making a bad move. Right. And so, um, and so there's, and there's plenty of people out there who have done that and, but they also need to understand they don't need to be in front of a news camera all the time. Right. They need to organize outside the view of the public and move their money and their influence and be it and make, make that impact, um, in, in, in the right places. Because as I said, when you're moving around and telling people where you're moving, it's just, you're just telling the, you're telling the people who are opposed to you where they can move to counter you. For sure. So, so yeah, man, um, it's, a am I'm, I'm a bit worried, <laughs> but not, not, not bad, not much. You know, it's a little bit, it's, um, I do think it'll get better, but I think it has, like people say it will get worse. I don't think it necessarily has to, but I think the possibility of get of it getting much worse before it gets better is is definitely there yeah i think uh i was my wife and i sit there and talk about this shit every day now and we try to talk with our kids about it too and uh i just i told her yesterday i just feel like on edge you know like what what's the next thing that's gonna just make shit pop off yeah uh I, I don't know that we've heard every story that has to come out yet. No, like new ones every day, which is the crazy yeah. thing. New ones every day. Um, There's another uh, out of the Tacoma. I don't know if you've been following the Man- Manny Ellis case out of Tacoma. Uh, I have not. Just, re- just released a few days ago that uh, he was killed by a cop. Uh, by suffocation, the coroner's report just came out. Now this happened like I think a month or so ago, um, but it took that long for the report to come out. Yeah, and that's the crazy uh, thing. Like, like, like the thing that they can't—they don't even like. The thing that gets me is that they don't fire. They can't even fire these police officers because of the union. Like, even for something like falsifying the report—that's falsification of documents. Like. Anybody in any simple job can get fired for like a yeah. minimum wage job. You, if you falsify a document, you lie, you you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, so why is it such a argument that, Hey, that is an obviously that report is obviously false. That person's fired. Like, why is that even an argument? Like, why are we having that conversation for uh, real? And so, um, I mean, like 
okay, so, okay, you killed somebody, and for some reason we can't prosecute you, but I don't want, like, why is, like, I don't want you in my police force, so let's see. Oh, you falsify this document. See you later. You're gone. Like, why can't we do that? That's easy. <laughs> it's so, simple. <laughs> and so, and that should be, that should be like one of those things that's like a non-starter for every other police department. Oh, you falsified a report. Uh, sorry. You can't get hired on yeah. as a police officer anywhere else. Right. Um, that like, why is, why is that not, why is that not a thing? And, and so this simple, and it's a lot of times it's just these little small steps that that would make a huge difference like small things will make a gigantic difference and i don't understand why there's an argument over doing these little things like these little things will make a huge difference absolutely so um oh yeah man oh but yeah i definitely i appreciate especially since it's cool to see how many of my friends who are more right of me politically have have really under come to like try to understand this and come to say all right so what's my next move as an ally like how and that's another that's a thing that I'll just I discussed in another one is that we just, we're just horrible in general in this movement over the last what eight nine years this movement has popped up and gone away um uh we're just bad at building allies like we don't have good hey you want to be an ally here's the next step we don't we for don't, sure we're bad at that and that's another thing that it's I've hard to do that noted. when you're pissed off though man like i you know i i i can appreciate that you recognize that as you know maybe a flaw uh but dude when when you're spending your lives literally worrying about life and death you know um Who's to blame you for thinking like that? No, I, I, as I said, I completely understand. But then, as I said, there's people with money, power, influence that understand these things that need to do yeah. and don't aren't aren't impacted on the same level, and they're able to right. be more rational about it. And they need to put their money, power, influence in the right place to make the change. Absolutely, so, and, and that's what gives credence to a lot of these stupid conspiracy theories to bring it back around <laughs> because, <laughs> because 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 there's people with money power influence that could make meaningful changes if they put their money power influence in the right place but they don't they put their money power influence in a weird place and it makes no change and helps few people and then this conspiracy theorist jumps on it and weaves this intricate story <laughs> and it, now it people, reminds me of uh the, the movie uh, the American president with Michael Douglas. Yeah. Uh, he's given the speech at the end and he's, he's, he's talking shit about his opponent who was played by Richard Dreyfus in the movie. Uh, but he says, uh, he says he's not worried. He's only worried about two things. He's worried about making you afraid of the problem and telling you who's to blame for it. Yeah. And there's way too much of that going on, man, fear and blame. And somehow we gotta we gotta circumvent that and start making solutions. Yep. Yes. Agreed. That is. Yeah. We're not solution oriented. But you know, um, that stems. There's a. I mean, that's just stems from our historical. We've never looked to solve things. We've always looked to patch things up. So for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and that I would say the biggest one of those was the civil war. I always say, and it's funny, I've, this is something I've learned about. I've started to look at 
the Constitution this way over the last couple of years is that the Constitution actually failed during the Civil War. Like, there's no other way to to explain why that happened, right? So the Constitution right. fails. We have a Civil War. And then after the Civil War, we never go back and rewrite the Constitution because I mean, we never go back and rethink it. You Even, rebuilt it on a broke system. Yeah, yeah. The system, yeah. <laughs> we like, yeah. we're just going to use the same document yeah. that just failed. And <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to use the same document and we're just going to, we're going to rebuild the country, right? And, Don't worry, we'll, we put duct tape on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> It'll hold, trust us. So, yeah. <laughs> in 2020, the duct tape. Oh my off. God. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's... Um, so yeah, and I don't know, man. It's I and and it. I hate being this pessimistic, and I, I don't know. Uh, but it's like our country has our our constitution. I believe of any is the oldest of any current first world country, um, and it is the yeah. It's the oldest, and so it's. Like most of those countries have fallen and re-risen several times <laughs> and um, yeah. we haven't done that once. And so it's, it's one of those things where it really makes you fearful that that could be coming just because we're not, we're not willing to think critically about ourselves. <laughs> and it's crazy that we can't see it, but they saw it when they wrote it. I mean, when in yeah. the course of human events, you know? Yes. Like, oh, it's, <laughs> oh, that's like, that document was like, it's it like people who are like staunch constitutionalists, like, like it was an aspirational document. So it was meant to change. Like, yeah. Like, like in order to form a more perfect union, in order to form it, they use, you know, they use a more perfect union because we'll never get the perfect and we should always right. be aspiring to become more perfect. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's like, that's in the preamble. They are telling you, this is an aspirational document. Do not cling to it. <laughs> like <laughs> we think we built a good instruction manual here, y'all, but shit might fuck up. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, if it does, <laughs> go back oh, to step yeah. two and start yeah. rewriting. Yeah, these are the things we want you to think about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so right. It's so so right, man. I wish, and that's why. That's one reason. Like I, I like we need to record these conversations because more people need to hear them, like and understand it. Like this happens. And like, we're, it's completely rational to think about your country this way. Like you don't have yeah. to America's the greatest place in the world all the time because it's not the greatest place in the world for everybody. So, <laughs> so, yeah. And so you have to acknowledge that not everybody's experience is the same as yours. And so for it real. may not be the greatest country in the world for everybody that lives here, but it might be the Absolutely. best place for them to live right now. Right. So, yeah. So. Yeah. So it's uh, we'll we'll get there. I I hope. Right. One can hope, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, until then, I guess we just keep popping popcorn. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> keep popping popcorn. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, good conversation, man. Um, yeah, man. That was fun. Always is, always is, man. I thank you for being a part. Awesome, man. So, yeah, thank you, man. Uh, it's good to see you doing well. Um, yeah, you too, bro. Uh, I see Seattle's treating you great up there. I love it here, man. Um, uh, but it's it's good to keep up with you, man. 
yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. So um, I'll let you go enjoy your family, man. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go try yeah. to try to enjoy mine. And, all right, bro. Well, you have a good one. All right, take it easy, bro. Yeah, you too. thank you for listening to this conversation. The only way we are going to move forward is to continue having conversations like these. So please meaningfully engage with someone with no intent other than to increase your understanding. With that thought in mind, I thought it was time that I heard from you, the listeners. There is now a one good question hotline. Sometimes I will be asking for your views on something specific. At other times, I may just want to hear from you. You can leave a message anytime for any reason, and it just might end up on the show. Like this message from Matt Hongoltz Hetling, who was one of my first guests. Hey, this goes out to our questioner in chief, Leon, from Matt Hongoltz Hetling. Uh, just wanted to say I'm optimistic about this moment, uh, not because George Floyd's murder is unique, but because it channeled the energy of decades of work by activists concerned about police brutality and its disproportionate effects on people of color. Uh, that energy and hard work isn't going away, and now millions of people will look more favorably on steps toward reform. Uh, but we also have to remember the forces of oppression aren't going to sleep either. So every move in the right direction will face resistance. So reforms won't be big enough or sweeping enough, but we're gaining some important ground here. Now this time, video evidence helped identify the police as the perpetrators of violence, but next time, Righteous activists can't allow themselves to be painted as the violent ones. And so I urge everyone who cares about these issues to keep marching with peace, strength, and solidarity. Uh, that's uh, all I got. Those are my thoughts. I hope you are staying safe and well, Leon, and uh, looking forward to seeing your uh, podcast continue to grow. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt, for taking time out of your day to send me that message. You can reach the hotline at 929-4-OGQ-POD. That's 929-464-7763. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and please make sure you check out the rest of the series. This has been One Good Question. Once again, I'm your host, Leon Davis. Theme music by DJ Seth Lowry. Other music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen. To catch up with us on social, check the show notes.